Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hartz. We are talking all things with the defending NFC champs today, the Philadelphia Eagles. And by we, I mean myself and none other than Director of Analytics, all-around baller, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? Man, why do the Eagles have to be so good? I was raised to not like the Eagles, but you know what? There's nothing that they're doing right now that you can't, like, get behind. You know, is Howie Roseman maybe getting too much love like some of the other GMs think? You know, Ian, they're all jealous of the coverage that he's getting. I mean, I think that's probably fair. But, like, what they've done with Jalen Hurts, how they've loaded up on picks, how they've managed to get guys falling down the draft board right into their lap, like Jalen Carter, it just feels like every step of the way as a Cowboys fan, it's like just body blow after body blow. And so yeah, it's kind of depressing, but you know, we're here to talk about teams period, you know, what they mean for fantasy. And there's a lot of goodness on the Eagles. And here's the killer for me, Dwayne. I'm like you, a closet Cowboys fan. And honestly, like, yeah, they have broken my heart a lot over the years. Now it's become twofold in the last like couple months because they're now drafting one Georgia Bulldog after another who also broke my Ohio State heart. So this is this is awesome, Dwayne. I couldn't be more happy to talk about uh, this franchise. Double whammy keeps, for you, man. Yeah, keeps making one freaking great move after another. But in all seriousness, you know, fantastic organizational job, on-field job by the Eagles for, you know, really the better part of the last couple decades i mean the amount of nfc championships they were ripping off to start the 2000s right back at it you know even after seemingly messing i mean not seemingly messing up you know just the long-term carson wentz commitment didn't even matter here they are back at the top of the conference so Thing is, like a lot of teams that have this much success, it results in coaching turnover, and the Eagles are not excused from that. Offensive quarter coordinator Shane Steichen is now the Colts head coach. Defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, who, again, just reminds me so much of Kendall Roy. Every single time I see this dude do anything, he is now the head ball coach over in Arizona with the Cardinals. So now Nick Sirianni, back for his third year, still the head ball coach. Former QB coach is now the offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, and former Seahawks associate head coach is the new D.C., Sean Desai. So looking at Sirianni, Dwayne, he did give up play calling duties to Shane Steichen during the 2021 season, but I think he's talked about in the past, like this is more of a, an approach where, you know, multiple guys are going to be talking about every play. So going to Brian Johnson, who was again, the QB coach for the last few years anyway, and he's been working with Jalen Hurts almost his entire life, not expecting too big of an overall difference in the offensive performance. And just how they're running the plays, pass run rate. What I did find interesting, Dwayne, this was a run heavy offense last year, but I think it was almost more so because of how dominant they were that how much they end up running the ball. Because if you look at their pass rate over expectation in 2021, yes, they completely changed their offense after about six, seven weeks. They became the most run first team in football, and they were accordingly 30th for the season in pass rate over expectation. Last year, though, just 10th man they were 10th in pass rate over expectation while moving at the league's fastest pace so even if we do still consider this a team that wants to run the ball and i do think they'll do so Dwayne, enough potential meat on the bone in the passing game especially if this defense takes a step back for more than one maybe even more than two high-end fantasy pass game options to emerge yeah to your point i mean no team led by four or more points more often on a per play basis last year than the eagles they ranked number one so I mean, they were in leading scripts on 53% of their plays. The average NFL team plays with that kind of lead uh, 24% of the time. So the Eagles more than doubled that. 
Um, so I think that it, there's a there's a chance, right, that that swings the other way, and that could actually bring more passing attempts for Jalen Hurts. I do think you know that's in the range of outcomes. We'll talk more about Hurts specifically here in just a minute. Um, but yeah, I wonder if you look at their pass by game script. So just you know, you did pass rate over expectation. So just kind of break it down a little bit more. So like passing when trailing, they ranked thirtieth. But in close games, so within three points, they were right at the league average. They ranked 17th. And when they're passing with a lead of four or more points, they ranked 16th. So again, right at the league average. So they weren't quite as run heavy as as we probably as they as it was probably made out to be, to your point. A lot of that came to leading game scripts. Now, having said all that, their team looks really good again. So um they pro- it'll be tough to repeat leading that high of a percentage of plays. But they're probably going to be in that 40% range. So, I mean, I still think that we're going to see more of a run-balanced or balanced-type offense. It will still be highly efficient because you've got all the great playmakers surrounding Jalen Hurts, but we probably don't see a pass-heavy attack. Um, They could go into that mode in any game, right, if they need to, based on what defense they're playing. We did see some of that last year. We did see them kind of tailor their game plans at times, depending on you know, the opposing defense and how good they were again against stopping the run, creating pressures, stopping the pass, all those sort of things. So I think you see more of a balanced run balance type Eagles offense. But I will also say there's always a chance that they just decide to change everything. Remember when we thought that Josh Allen was in a run heavy offense for the first two years of his career under Brian Dable? And then all of a sudden in year three, they just completely flipped, flipped the switch. And it did, I mean, it just went from being, you know, one end of the scale all the way to the other. So you just have to keep those things in mind. There is a chance that the Eagles could decide to throw the ball more this year. How quickly things change for Hertz. In 2021, he was like the poster child for like kind of looking at players that don't do all that much in the first three quarters, but it is a 60 minute football game. And, you know, he would just like undertake meme it, you know, Undertaker meme it up like in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's doing fine fantasy land. Last year, Billy even needed to have his foot on the gas in the fourth quarter's period. So to your point, though, about Nick Sirianni being willing to change up the offense, I mean, we weren't low on Jalen Hurts at all last year, you know, top six quarterback like everyone else. And, you know, I drafted a ton of him in that round five round six turn with Kyler Murray which was great until you know the fantasy playoffs came around but it's not like they could actually prevent that but in 2021 Dwayne like they tried to throw the ball the first six or so weeks of the year and whether it was Hertz's fault they just didn't have the firepower at receiver at that point they really did make that big change back to a run first offense you know and it was like run first second and third with the way they were doing it you know down the stretch in 2021 so to see them flip to that all the way to last year maybe it is just the beginning of even more more passing to come in Philly. In terms of roster turnover, we're not going to get into all the defensive moves, but based on, you know, just the fact that they lost, I believe, five starters, could be tough for them to be quite as dominant on that side of the ball. On the offensive side of things, though, really tough to find much of a problem here. They did lose their backup quarterback, Gardner Minshew, to the Colts, but they brought in arguably a better scheme fit in former Titans, Raiders, and Falcons quarterback Marcus Mariota. At running back, their longtime starter, Miles Sanders, got paid by the Panthers, reunited with former RB coach and former Eagles RB Deuce Staley there. And so what how he Roseman do found a way to get Rashad Penny on a one-year 1.35 million deal just 600k guaranteed and then trade a 2025 fourth round pick and swap seventh rounders to get Lions running back DeAndre Swift much more on them here in just a couple minutes at wide receiver number four wide receiver Zach Pascal signed with the Cardinals and was replaced by former Falcons wide receiver Olamide Zacchaeus and finally in the draft Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee in round six was the only fantasy eligible addition from the draft they've stuck most of those Georgia Bulldogs on the line and on defense again stop it please Philly stop it stop breaking my heart man but all right 
Back to the good business here at quarterback. We got Jalen Hurts, and he is my overall QB1, Dwayne, because that was exactly what he was last year in terms of fantasy points per game. I think it's a tier. I think we have Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. But when you look at who's likely going to have the most just raw rushing production, including touchdowns, I think it's Jalen Hurts. And when you look at who is the best overall offensive environment to work in, I also think it's Jalen Hurts. We can talk about how much the offensive environment has to do with Hurts' numbers. But, you know, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anything that paints Hurts as anything other than a top 10 passer in the league. CPOE, EPA per drop back. I think at the end of the day, Dwayne, Jalen Hurts is really freaking good at football and the rest of the Eagles offense is really freaking good at football. And because of that, we get fantasies overall QB1. Are you with me on that? Um, I still have, I still have Josh Allen as wow. the number one. Um, wow. You know, and, and our data is slightly different. I've got, well, Josh Allen was number two last year, but he was number one the two years before. So it's just hard, man. When you got a guy that's been that's done what Josh Allen has done, like no one else in their career has done this ever, going back to as far as we have fantasy stats. So 24-plus fantasy points per game. Allen has done it in three consecutive years. He had 25.6, 24.6, and then last year, 26. So it's hard to fade that consistency. Maybe you get a little bit more upside. Maybe? With, you know, Jalen Hurts, I do agree he's got the better team. He's got the better passing weapons. But we've also seen the Bills be willing to be a pass-first offense and build the whole thing around Josh Allen. So I still have Allen number one. I do have Jalen Hurts number two. There are so many things alike. You you know, not just points per game and all those things, but his fantasy points per drop back is another thing you can look at. 0.71, that was number one in the NFL. And well above, you know, where we saw Josh Allen, 0.63. If you get like above 0.55, you're doing really good. You get above 0.60, you're pretty much elite. If you get into the 0.70, like the, that range and above, which which is where Jalen Hurts was last year, I mean, that's like astronomical. You just rarely see seasons like that. And to do it, you have to be a dual threat quarterback. And with Jalen Hurts, not only is he getting the volume, you know, from a rushing standpoint, but he's also just been really good, you know, as a rusher, 84.4 PFF rush grade, 80.6 PFF pass grade. Uh, one of the only guys in the league besides Josh Allen to really be above both of those marks. And then whenever you look at the rushing attempts, Ian, I do think they're very uh, repeatable because this is a, one of those guys that it's not just, oh, okay, well, I scramble a lot. He's also very involved in the design run game. 25% of the Eagles design rushing plays went through Jalen Hurts. Um, that is way above the NFL average. That was second behind only Lamar Jackson, who was at 27%. And he had 39% of the care of the team's carries inside the five. You guys all love the double cheek push or whatever we're going to call it. Ugh. That does count towards those. Um, and then he's also really good. He was fourth in scramble rate. So 8% of his dropbacks turned into scrambles. So when you're getting that much of the design run game, you're such a heavy component of what your team does inside the five yard line. And you're also an elite scrambler. With all these weapons that we're going to talk about in a minute, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to argue with anyone that wants to take Jalen Hurts first overall. I think you got to put him in a tier with Josh Allen. It's not yeah. like he gets a tier of his own, <laughs> but I think you can make an argument that those two guys do get their own tier. I'm going to, you know, I'm riding my quarterback tiers today. Right now, I have Patrick Mahomes in the same tier with them, um, just because I don't want to deal with all the people saying, oh my God, how can you have Patrick Mahomes in the same tier? But like, I think I'm going to change it. I think I am going to actually have Mahomes in his own tier right below them. I love, I love all those guys. Um, you know, we'll talk about their cost here, you know, more as we go, but yeah, I look, I love Jalen hurts. There's just so many things working for him. Dude, Ian 11 times last year in the 15 games that he played, he had a top five finish. Like that's insane. <laughs> 11 out of 15 games. He had a top five finish. So 
it's really hard to hold Jalen Hurts down. Like, he has so many paths to beat you. Oh, you want to get out to a big league? Great. He's probably going to beat you with his legs. Eagles fall behind, or they just decide it's a game script where they need to throw? Great. He's surrounded by all these elite weapons, and he has been better and better each season of his career as a passer and as a rusher. So uh, there's nothing you can't like about Jalen Hurts. In terms of highest percentage of starts to get a top six fantasy finish last year, Hurts was at 80%, Patrick Mahomes 71%, Josh Allen 69%, Joe Burrow's next at 44%. Like they really are just playing a different game out there. And a lot of that for Hurts does come down to that aforementioned rushing production. Okay, he got to play some extra games, you know, in the playoffs this year. And they also had that first round loss to Buccaneers in 2021. But over these last two years, including the playoffs, he leads the entire NFL in rushing touchdowns, not quarterbacks, the entire NFL with 28 rushing touchdowns over the past two seasons. Just absolutely ridiculous. And to Dwayne's point, a lot of that coming. I think the kids are calling it the tush push. I, can we come up with a cool name, please? Everything about the Eagles is so cool, except for the damn name for their, you know, little rugby scrum. But yeah, 36 of 40. That's 90% for those of you that don't have a calculator at home of those QB sneaks in the first downs or touchdowns last year. So Dwayne, I've done about 12 or 15, I think, best ball drafts now to this point since the draft ended. The big question, though, are you really willing to spend a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts? Because that's where you're having to go to get him. You know, if I do come away with A.J. Brown in round one, you know, I've had Kelsey Mahomes stacks, you know, Diggs and Josh Allen. Those are kind of the situations I'm down to go ahead and take a shot at these quarterbacks. But just in terms of, you know, if you don't have that readily available stack, I do think round two is a bit steep for Hurts. Thoughts on this, you know, early round QB phase? Because on the one hand, the discrepancy between the QBs one through six and seven through 12 reached a decade, decade high 4.9 fantasy points last year. But you go back all the way to, you know, 2021, that was the lowest discrepancy in the decade. So I think people are maybe getting a little too carried away with how high the highs were for these top quarterbacks in 2022. Yeah, I think people are carried away in one sense, right? But in the other, if you look at the profiles like Josh Allen, Josh Allen was a second round pick often last year, right? Sometimes you might get him to fall into round three. Well, who's really like Josh Allen? Jalen Hurts. I think yeah. the argument is should Mahomes really be a second round pick? Yes, he overcame not having Tyreek Hill. We won't have to get into the whole thing on that. We'll talk about that when we hit the Chiefs. But Mahomes is actually the profile that is, yeah, he's going to be a top six quarterback. But whether he's going to be one or six, can vary a lot year to year because he, even though he is a plus in the rushing game, he's not at the level of a Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts where no matter what, like, you know, the game strip's going to work out. Like, those two guys are almost a lock to run for 750 yards, right? I have Josh Allen above Jalen Hurts because I think he's a lock to throw for 4,200. I think Jalen Hurts, we would love for him to throw for 4,200. He could yeah. if things worked out right, but we just don't know that the Eagles will do that with him. So, yeah, I agree that... Hertz does look like Josh Allen. So if you thought Josh Allen was a second round pick last year, I get from that perspective, like he should probably be a second round pick. The challenge for me becomes if I can get, you know, Lamar Jackson in round four, who really from a points per drop back was right there with Jalen Hurts and he just stays healthy. Like I like that better. I agree with you though. If you grab AJ Brown in the first round and that's when you, when you want to do it, just realize there's a ton of people doing that. Like, I mean, almost every draft where I see A.J. Brown go in round one, the person coming back, if they can, they're taking Jalen Hurts almost every time. So now, look, there's plenty of the draft left to differentiate. Like, you still got 16 rounds. How many of those teams are really going to end up being that, that much the same? I don't know. Um, you give yourself a chance, though, if you suddenly somehow land and do like the trip, like the double stack where you get A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Like, that's where it becomes a little bit more interesting. So by doing those first two picks, you're setting yourself up at least 
you know, to have a chance. Right now, though, it's tough because Devonta Smith is the number 25 pick off the board. So you need him to slide a little bit, but it can happen. You can come away with A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, and Devonta. That would probably be a much more differentiated stack than just starting off with one of, you know, A.J. Brown and then coming back with Hurts. And by the way, you guys can catch sometimes Dwayne and me, sometimes myself and other Fantasy Life team members every single Wednesday throughout the rest of the offseason, usually 4 p.m. Eastern time. Going to be doing live best ball streams over with our fine friends over at Underdog Fantasy. And also on Fridays, we'll have a guest come in. Awesome conversation with former Best Ball Mania winner Liam Murphy last Friday. I got another BBM winner, Justin Herzig, here coming up this Friday. So make sure you guys check that out for more. Again, kind of game theory stuff going on in Best Ball Land. Biggest thing to talk about here, Dwayne, because again, Jalen Hurts versus Josh Allen, fine. Okay, like we're talking about the pretty much consensus top two fantasy quarterbacks. We're going to get to the wide receivers and tight ends. Spoiler alert, they're really freaking good too, and you should draft them highly as well. Running back is where things get tricky because we have Rashad Penny. We have DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, and Trey Sermon, each of whom, you know, I understand why we're favoring Penny and Swift here, but I don't think we should completely forget about these other guys. Kenneth Gainwell was someone who earned the scat back role and most of the passing down work on the Eagles last year, and also someone that they periodically trust to actually use in the red zone. Dwayne, you've talked about, you know, put, putting together your RB supermodel. Like a lot of Gainwell, even if the Eagles haven't used him as a sort of, you know, satellite three down, you know, back the Eckler kind of type, I think would be like his absolute best case scenario. He does, you know, just on paper fit the more someone who could do that Boston Scott the giant slayer himself I get it you know we've just seen enough of the guy as a backup that we don't expect that much out of him but I think the Eagles care a little bit more about Boston Scott than we do he got a full million dollars in guaranteed money remember Rashad Penny only got 600k and while last year we saw Scott you know fall out of the rotation a bit more 100 plus touches in each of 2020 and 2021 with Nick Sirianni as head coach even Trey Sermon Dwayne you can go back to a certain point in the offseason and find a nice little quote there from the Eagles hyping him up so overall confidence level and Penny and Swift actually being the top two running backs here because again in terms of the investment given out it wasn't enough I understand what the analytics say about who's the best running back but again we need to try to figure out who the Eagles think is going to be the best running back not necessarily what you know our handy dandy numbers are telling us yeah I think it's it's tough to to figure out who is going to be the number one I'm not that concerned about Boston Scott. Like, could it be a factor? Yeah, but I just tend to simplify it. These are two really good running backs in Swift and Penny. And like their efficiency numbers have been through the roof. Swift more so in the receiving in the receiving game. Penny more so on the ground. So I think the most logical thought process is Rashad Penny probably is the starting early down back. And DeAndre Swift is working in and getting a lot of the passing down work. Um, could Boston Scott still... Still steal some work. Yes. Could Kenneth Gainwell still steal some work? That's really bad. Still, still. Like, that just <laughs> sounds terrible. Anyway. We'll work on it. Those guys still snipe work away nice. from these other two. I think they could, but honestly, I'm not worrying about it because the Eagles are too good. They have a great offensive line, and these two guys are too talented. I also think there's a really good chance we never hear from Gainwell. And we never hear, uh, you know, from Boston Scott, like, once the season gets going. So, I just want to bet on the talent and on the offensive situation. Uh, you know, like I talked about with Penny, he's the early down guy. I mean, no player in the NFL other than Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb have more yards after contact Ooh. like over the last five years besides Rashad Penny. The question is, can he stay healthy? Same thing for DeAndre Swift. These guys have really been plagued by injuries. Now we know it's tough to predict injuries and all of a sudden they could both be healthy all season. That could completely happen. 
I like Penny right now, Ian, because the price tag is so much less. I think yeah. the ADP is a little too far apart for my taste. I do have DeAndre Swift ranked ahead because he has the more robust profile overall. He's a guy that we could see if they just suddenly decided to let someone take over in every down roll. Say Rashad Penny got hurt. I think there's a chance DeAndre Swift's the every down back. I think if you see DeAndre Swift get hurt, Rashad Penny's almost certainly getting spelled by Kenneth Gainwell, right? Or Boston Scott handling some of the passing down work. So I think you got to give Swift the slight nod in the ranks. But again, where ADP's at, I've got, you know, DeAndre Swift slightly behind ADP on underdog right now, which they've got him. He's the RB20. He's going off as the 63rd player overall. Rashad Penny, 109. Like, that's a really big gap. So I'm ranking Rashad Penny ahead of ADP, and I have DeAndre Swift slightly below. I want exposure to both guys. But with Swift, I'm not going to be reaching for him. Um, and so with Penny, it's, it's easy, like with where he's going, I don't mind reaching half around just to make sure I get him if I want exposure to the Eagles backfield. Um, so that's, that's pretty much how I'm approaching it. I really want to have rostership of both guys just because these elite underlying profiles, again, like for DeAndre Swift, just real quick, 27% targets per route run last year, 1.65 yards per route run. And DeAndre Swift, I get it. People are like, oh man, he's never going to do it. The dude's been a top 24 running back every year and he's never been healthy. Yeah. What if he is healthy all year on the Eagles? Like, there's so much upside that could be sitting here. And I get it. Jalen Hurts likes to run. You've got three other real high-quality, you know, options on the team. Is he going to probably have a 27% targets per route run on the Eagles? Probably not. But that doesn't change the fact that he's really good in that facet of the game. So he's going to get more targets than anyone else we've seen there when he's on the field. So it's somewhere in the middle, right? I'll see somebody, oh, they just don't target the running backs. Well, they haven't had DeAndre Swift. Right. And then you're like, well, you know, DeAndre Swift didn't have any target as much target competition in Detroit. Also true. So it's probably somewhere in the middle. I think he'd be like a 20, 22 percent targets per route run guy here on a really good offense. So there's going to be more opportunities to score touchdowns, things like that. So I, I still really like Swift, just like the ADP more for Rashad Penny. And it's really not even close in terms of the ADP right now. Swift, RB22, pick 67.1. I mean, Rashad Penny, I mentioned on the Cowboys pod how much I like kind of the RB3 range. It's because you can get guys like Rashad Penny at RB36, pick 113.1. I mean, give this another week to win. We might be able to double Swift's actual overall ADP, and then you're going to have Rashad Penny. So I think it's very close. I actually lean Penny over Swift as a whole. I have Penny as my RB28, Swift as my RB29. So yeah. Haven't been getting much uh, Swift so far. I know what you're saying in terms of, okay, if each of these run, you know, if every single running back in the backfield, you know, benefits from an injury and like a simulation, who's going to have the highest ceiling? Yeah, I do think it's DeAndre Swift, but I don't even think it's a given that he gets this pass down role from Kenneth Gamewell. I mean, it's a sexy pick. It's not, it was a sexy trade because we all love trades and we've seen DeAndre Swift put up those good numbers. As you mentioned, he's been an explosive pass catching running back, but again, Kenneth Gamewell was playing this role for a team that was, you know, a couple different plays away from potentially winning that Super Bowl last year. So I think, honestly, the most likely answer is going to be this gross four-back committee that we've seen the Eagles already lean into plenty over the years. So, yes, if Rashad Penny gets hurt, which... You know, reminder, he's only played in 42 of 82 games since entering the league. Swift could take on that. But even Boston Scott, man, when we've seen Miles Sanders miss time over the years, we've actually seen him come in ahead of Gamewell and take those 10 to 12 carries per game. You did mention having Jalen Hurts running around. And yeah, it has hurt the overall ability for these running backs to put up a bunch of points. Same thing in Baltimore, same thing in Buffalo. The dual threat quarterbacks, amazing for their own fantasy value. And we can still see some wide receivers get going. But in terms of what they're actually bringing the table for their running backs it's not been great philly 
Buffalo, you can throw Seattle in there as well. And then the Ravens, bottom 12 offense in terms of their expected PPR points per game to the running back position, despite being top 12 scoring offenses over the past three years. So again, how many games last year did the Eagles even have four backs active? Like, I don't know. Like, like for me, yeah, I'm simplifying. Just give me Miles Sanders and DeAndre Swift. Like, could what you're saying happen? It could, but I'm honestly not going to worry about Kenneth. Kenneth Gainwell's not really been good. And they've tried to give him a chance. He's been okay. I agree his college profile was great. Like it was more like an Alvin Kamara kind of player, but he hasn't shown it yet in the league. Whereas DeAndre Swift has shown it every single year. So I don't know. I I, I totally get what you're saying, but why, I think we could why do we I, still think, give I, Swift? I think we could make this kind of argument around every roster. Why is Swift like, oh still the God. second round talent? He's still oh, he's still talented. He won the second round three years ago. How can we don't judge him on being a seventh round pick swap in a 2025 round fourth, which is his latest valuation by the league? Well, because I think the league can sometimes be wrong, dude. Like, I mean, look, we're at the point where his second round capital is no longer in his grade. Like, it's gone. Like, once you reach year three, like in the models, like the draft capital is gone. Like, it's not even a factor anymore. It's like we know what you are at the NFL level. And this guy's been a plus PFF rushing grade. He's been a plus PFF receiver like every single year. Yards per route run, targets per round, all the things that we see these guys that blow up. DeAndre Swift still has those traits. He fell out of favor with his coaching staff. Could there really be something that's long-term there? Yeah, there could be. But the Eagles were willing to make a move to try to go get him. Like, so, I mean, I look at this, I look at this backfield and like, I'm, I'm not going to think about Boston Scott. I'm not going to think about Kenneth Gainwell. Could it be an issue? Yeah, but we could literally make this kind of argument about almost every backfield in the NFL. Um, what if this guy or what if this guy? I just, I, I think these two guys are good enough if they're healthy. Now, that's the big question. Like, can't, that's the big, with these two guys, can they stay healthy? If they can, I think it's going to be really positive. If it ends up with one of them getting hurt, I think the other one, you know, is definitely going to benefit. Um, but again, I, I just think Swift, because of the overall profile, and all the different ways that chaos can break during the NFL season is still the one you want the most. Just the challenge is ADP. I'm just curious that Miles Sanders as a rookie had a better receiving year than anything that Swift's ever put on paper. And he couldn't even wrestle away the pass down role over the past three years. I understand that Sanders, I think, fell he's off also a little sucks bit. Since then. Like, so, I mean, we can't just go back and Swift's look at Swift's been his that great, man. Years. Again, he fell out of favor for a reason. I like to think that sometimes we can put together these stats and know more than the coaching staffs on occasion. But there's also a lot of good film out there that shows a pretty massive hole that Swift just, you know, kind of doesn't run into. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to, honestly, I'm not worrying about it. I know he has the talent to do it and he's a better player than Miles Sanders. I honestly, I don't think that comparison's even close. Like DeAndre Swift versus Miles Sanders, like as an overall, like complete back. I think you can make a case on the ground. Miles Sanders actually has the same problems DeAndre Swift did. He can never just choose the right hole and just go. Um, so here's the other thing. DeAndre Swift has been good despite all of that. Yes, it's pissed his coaches off. But he's still like explosive rush rate, above average, yards after contract, contact, well above NFL average, missed tackles force, way above the NFL average of 17%. He was at 24% last year. And he somehow puts up RB2 performances despite never having a full season or having a full role. So could the, could the questions with the coaching staff continue? Yes. But guess what the hardest thing to have is? The talent. And DeAndre Swift has that. Like he has that in spades over, over the other guys like Scott and over Gainwell. So I'm, I'm leaning into the talent profile. This one will differ on, which that's okay. Fine. I just, I don't, 
I do Bye. think demanding targets, demanding targets is a skill at some point, but I mean, Leonard Fournette demanded 83 and 84 targets the last two years and can't Leonard find Fournette a job. Fournette didn't have a 1.65 yards per route run. Yeah. Leonard Fournette did not have the same PFF receiving grade. So, I mean, look, I, Leonard Fournette's a check down guy. We've talked, we've had these conversations. DeAndre Swift is a beyond the line of scrimmage kind of guy. Like he can work his way, integrate himself into the offense much more. Fournette needs basically a lot of things to break his way, right? for that to turn out to be a really profitable role for him. Um, whereas I think Swift is good enough that he can push for targets really almost in any offense. Will he get as many here? No, he won't because this is a stacked offense. There's probably not a more stacked offense in the league, really, when we look at it with Devonta and with, you know, what we have with AJ Brown and, and Dallas Goddard. Are you taking Swift over these wide receiver threes going around the same range? Chris Godwin, Brandon Ayuk, Mike Evans. I'm willing to work him in. Honestly, I'm waiting on Swift to come down. I, and, and, you know, Based on the latest ADP that you just pulled while you were looking at, you know, on the show, um, Swift is actually was higher. So I, I feel like Swift needs to come down in ADP. I agree with that. Like, I feel like he should be going about a round later than where he is now. And so I'm kind of hoping that he gets to that range as people really start to think through, okay, how does this backfield come together? People are going to have questions. And, you know, it's ranking season. Everyone's doing their projections. And that has an impact on how people, you know, will be drafting these best ball teams. So I do think Swift and Penny will be closer with a lot of the industry rankers. And I think Swift comes down about a round from where he is now. And that's when I want to pull the trigger. Or if he slides past ADP now, I'll pull the trigger. But no, I'm not actively targeting him yet because I do think his price goes down. You heard it from president of the DeAndre Swift fan club himself, Dwayne McFarland. Yes, we do like Penny a bit better at ADP. And you know what? We'll just defer on DeAndre Swift and uh, we'll see what happens, Dwayne. We will see what happens. Let's talk about a wide receiver room that we are much more in line on because it's pretty clear what's going on. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and probably going to be rotating to number three between Quez Watkins and Alomide Zacchaeus. So looking at just in terms of, you know, these guys together, no pair of wide receivers had a more concentrated combined target share last season. Brown and Smith combined for 52% of the Eagles targets, DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown. And even that's like fluky because, you know, they were kind of playing without each other on the field. Those are the only other guys when they were out there over 50%. So they're both ballers. I mean, you'd look at either of their form. Like you have to go back to like Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins playing together. Like when, you know, Andre Johnson was still really doing his thing at the end of his career when Hopkins was just a youngin. Uh, year two was year two of Hopkins' career is when that happened. Like, this is pretty rare to see oh. that much target share go to two guys. Like, when we say rare, like rare, like all time, you don't just see this very often. And it's fantastic. And it's the reason why both these guys have an ADP inside of 13. It's why I have them ranked there accordingly. It really is 1A, 1B. It's not, you know, AJ Brown and then number two wide receiver Devontae Smith. Overall, in terms of looking at 20 regular season and playoff games last year, AJB had 167 targets. Smith had 158. AJB did lead the way in terms of red zone looks, 16 versus 20, and had the higher average target depth. But again, man, I just think it's more of a 1A, 1B situation. Who would I start who would i pick you know who would i draft first yes aj brown but it's not a huge difference and it's not outside the realm of possibility Dwayne, that smith does outperform ajb this year again i wouldn't expect it to happen but i don't know i give aj like a 65 percent chance of leading the way is that fair yeah i think it's very fair devonta smith is an absolute beast in his own right aj brown is better after the catch slightly um, he's just a stronger guy after the catch. He also is a little bit better downfield. 
Um, so, I mean, if you look at, you know, his percentage of targets that were 20 plus yards down the field, 21%, whereas Devonta Smith was 14%. So there's some big play upside, I think, that you get with A.J. Brown um, that's that's baked in a little bit more. Not to say Devonta couldn't beat him, like in those departments and like a one-year sample, like that could happen. But overall, I think A.J. Brown, they're both high-end target earners, but A.J. Brown's just slightly the better athlete after the catch he's just a stronger player and he might have a little bit more speed than devonta smith so i give the slight edge to aj brown um i've got him right at adp but i've got devonta smith actually ahead of adp and i do think he's the guy that you know is easier to draft because you don't have to spend that first round draft pick on him in your drafts right now he is going overall pick 25 so you're getting him right at the beginning of the third round end of the second round love pulling the trigger on devonta smith in that range there have been 18 instances of teammate wide receivers both putting up top 12 numbers and PPR points per game in the same season since 2012. So about 1.6 instances per season of these teammates doing it. If you look at ADP, there's three kind of duos that are not necessarily being expected to do it, but they're right there, you know, in the conversation to do so. We have Jamar Chase, the Bengals, wide receiver one, going as the wide receiver two off the board. T. Higgins is the wide receiver 14. A.J. Brown, currently the wide receiver six off the board. Devontae Smith is the wide receiver 13. And then we have Tyreek and Jalen Waddle as the wide receiver three and wide receiver 11 respectively. So again, Dwayne, I think they're good ranks. And, you know, when you look at the tiers at the top, alpha complete target hogs that, you know, could have a target total starting with two and we wouldn't be shocked. Jefferson, Chase, Tyreek, Cup, and Diggs. After that, we kind of have a mini tier. I mean, you can put Devontae Adams in that top tier if you want, but then we get the AJBs, CD, Garrett, Amon Ross, St. Brown. After that is when we have, again, those high-end wide receiver twos that would be wide receiver ones almost anywhere else, looking at Waddle, Devontae Smith, and T. Higgins. Would you take Smith over Waddle, over Higgins, and honestly squeeze him inside that top 12? Yeah, I have him ranked over Waddle. I have him ranked. I, I have Higgins below ADP. I've got Higgins as uh, wide receiver 17, so I'm oh. quite a bit lower on Higgins than everyone else this year. Just He's really just kind of flatlined. Uh, and Jamar Chase continues to ascend. So I think you're just going to see a more disparate uh, difference like between their data points this year. And Tegan's is fine, but I think he's going to be a 20, 22% target share guy. I think the kind of the ship's kind of sold, you know, it's, it's really like the ship has sailed on a chance of like him really turning into like this 26, 27% alpha guy. Um, and Devonta Smith's already shown he can do that. <laughs> 25% target share last season. So, I mean, we know what he can do. He's really good against man and zone coverage. Has a very complete profile. So, yeah, I love him. I have him just behind Amon Ross St. Brown and Garrett Wilson. So I'm slightly ahead of ADP on Devonta. I was thinking about throwing some later round darts, you know, at uh, Quez Watkins after the draft. But honestly, when you looked at kind of their usage down the stretch, he was already, again, like working as the clear number three behind both these guys in terms of just who's getting the ball. Only 3.3 targets per game last season, and they were rotating in Pascal. So I think Zacchaeus is just going to render this, you know, as both guys being non-viable fantasy options more weeks than not. Do want to remind all you guys that you can go on over to Underdog Fantasy, and if you disagree with what Dwayne and I are saying, put your money up let's go win some money then you can get a hundred percent deposit match of up to one hundred dollars on underdog fantasy promo code life all you gotta do is create a new account again promo code life sign up and start drafting today to put these strategies to use again using promo code life Dwayne, tight end season with philly we got a pretty good one here dallas goddard he's my tight end six at the moment backed up by none other than jack stole and you know talking about the draft so you know i know you're saying with deandre swift how he's Put up numbers in the NFL that no longer make his talent thing questionable. 
with the draft capital. And I guess Kyle Pitts has had some good numbers too, which is kind of, I know you could throw those at me. So touche, but like, at what point do we kind of turn the draft capital off? Because every, all the numbers say that Dallas Goddard is a top five tight end in the NFL. And I wonder when it comes down to someone like a Goddard versus a Kyle Pitts, like at what point do you say, okay, after draft capital, this dude's a stud because 2022 fourth and PFF receiving grade fourth in yards per out run 2021, number three and number two, ever since Zach Ertz has gotten out of this equation, Dallas Goddard has looked a part of a top five tight end. I haven't ranked as my tight end six i'm hurt so bad from kyle pitts Dwayne, that i'm already turning an eagles conversation into you know goddard versus pitts but where do you think dallas goddard i guess to avoid you know going down the pitts wormhole too deep where do you think goddard kind of ranks in this tight end two tier behind obviously travis kelsey the king at number one yeah i think we have a big everything we have travis kelsey tier number one by himself tier number two is mark andrews by himself Ooh. i think you got a pretty solid tier um, tier three. And I honestly would not argue with anybody. This is one of those tiers where you can put it in. I have my preference, but I think you can make logical arguments and have a really strong stance for any one of them to be at the top. So I've got TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, Dallas Goddard, and Darren Waller, right? And then starting the next tier is Pat Fryermuth, and you get into Evan Ingram, David Njoku, those guys. So I think you could, you know, talent profile wise, Goddard is on par with Mark Andrews but he's got to deal with these other two alphas. And that's the problem. You got to deal with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and an offense so far that's really wanted to stay more, you know, run balanced to balanced. And so those two things coming together are what puts him into tier three. If Dallas Goddard did not have Devonta Smith or AJ Brown, one of the two on this roster with him, he would be in tier two with Mark Andrews. So, I mean, I really do like the player. It's just really a matter of like, man, he just happens to be in a situation that you rarely get where you just mentioned it earlier. Two other dudes have 52% of the target share. Like it's just nuts. And they're probably not going to change because they're really good at what they do. And you know, your EPA per play is higher throwing to those guys. So I don't think the Eagles offense changes. Now, having said all that, he's still going to give you great spike weeks. He still deserves to be to your point. I have him at number six right now, like you do. Um, I think there's also a lot of things you have to think about, like if something happens to A.J. Brown. He hasn't exactly been the picture of health. Devonta Smith has been really healthy so far, but if one of them misses any period of time and it's Dallas Goddard and just one other wide receiver, like it's you're probably going to have a top three tight end every week. So I think there's a lot of ways like that you get extra mileage out of Goddard you know, this season um, if something like that happens, but that's what holds him out of the top. It's nothing to do with him. He, he is awesome. And to your question about draft capital, it fades a little bit later for tight ends because we know it takes them longer uh, yeah. to break out typically in the NFL. So typically with, you know, with the other, when we're looking at running back, you're looking at wide receiver. We're really only looking at, you know, hey, after year one, we're still looking at the rookie profile. Once you get to year two, you're pretty much just like, what have they done in the NFL now? Like that's the way wide receivers and running backs work. At tight end, you know, you add another year to that. So Goddard, though, he doesn't need that. Like he can, he's an elite tight end. He just, he's in a situation where it's really crowded. I did my best to try to quantify the supporting cast around the league. I just combined, you know, for a quarterback. So I combined the PFF team rushing, receiving, and blocking grades. And unsurprisingly, number one, 81.9 combined grade, your Philadelphia Eagles. So yeah, it really just is the same exact problem as George Kittle. If we just had, you know, 
every single tight end is getting 150 targets from the exact same quarterback. I mean, I'd probably have Kelsey and Kittle there at the top and arguably Goddard right there behind them. If you wanted to say Mark Andrews is better, sure. But I think, again, with the context of volume and just the loaded supporting cast, I do think tight end six is about right for Goddard. But again, super duper high ceiling. God forbid something happened to one of those receivers. And even without anything happening to those wide receivers, only Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, and Hawkinson have averaged more PPR points per game than Goddard over the last two seasons. So pretty, pretty, pretty good there. Takes us to the win total, Dwayne. They're at 10 and a half. We got a minus 150 juice on the over. Kendall Valenzuela, fantastic fancy life, uh, you know, head of our social doing fantastic work on the back end and also with all of our YouTube shorts as well. Good tweet. Per NFL research, the Eagles have the most difficult 2023 strength of schedule. You know, you're going to notice a lot of teams that did finish first in the division being up towards the top because of that. Are you nervous though, Dwayne? Because they might have a tougher strength of schedule, but my God, in terms of just raw like talent from top to bottom on the roster, I think this is the best team in the National Football League. Yeah, I think it is too. Um, but still, 10 and a half, you're just getting up there. Now, it's not like, like the Chiefs are at 11 and a half. Like if you told me, hey, You've got to bet your mortgage today, and you either have to take the Chiefs at eleven and a half, or you take the Eagles at ten and a half. Give me the Eagles. Like, yeah. I would, I would rather take that bet. Um, you know, you've got the 49ers at eleven and a half. I'd rather bet the Eagles at ten and a half. Um, so I, I think there's definitely like when you compare them to the other top teams, I think there's you know there's room to say that there's some value potentially with the Eagles. But overall, ten and a half is still a really decent number for a team that's gonna have to play so many tough games on their schedule. So it's not like one I'm just rushing out to bet the line. I think it could be tougher, but you know, you brought up the numbers before, like they doubled the freaking average league rate of just being up by, you know, four or more points. So, you know, when we are losing the five defensive starters, I think we could honestly just see more fireworks on the offensive side of the ball, maybe a couple more fantasy friendly shootouts that I still think the Eagles are more than capable of coming out on top of. So that's going to wrap up another edition of the fantasy life team preview podcast series. Dwayne, everyone can find your updated ranks on fantasylife.com, and you're going to have your QB tiers out this week. Yep, QB tiers will hit on Thursday. Great day to be great indeed. You can catch all the written forms of these podcasts from myself over fantasylife.com as well. And subscribe to our newsletter. It's absolutely free. You're going to get all this and so much more. Won't miss any of the big news throughout the offseason. I know it's freaking May. You want to go touch some grass. Very understandable. So, you know, just peep the newsletter in the morning. We got your back. So, for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.